Thanks for listening to the New Life Church Searcy podcast. If you'd like to get connected to what God is doing at the Searcy campus, you can text the word Searcy to 88,000. There you can give online, get connected to a life group, find your place in a serve team, and so much more. You can also find today's message notes in the YouVersion Bible app. Just tap the link in the episode description to follow along during the sermon and save notes directly to your phone. Now prepare your hearts to hear a great word from God today. So good to have you here on a gorgeous, gorgeous weekend. I have a couple of uh, uh, just quick announcements and then we're going to get into the word today. But the first one is a very important to us and our church. And if you did not see, uh, Craig and Lauren are going to have a baby. So that's right. And um, I will tell you what Craig wants more than anything is to be hugged. He... And I'm not talking about a side hug. I mean, full on like grandma gave where you could feel her whiskers on your face. Yeah. He wants that kind of hug from everybody here this morning, congratulating him. But uh, together they are growing God's church. So uh, we're proud for them. They've been praying for a child for a while and the Lord has heard them. And so when you see them today, congratulate them. Um, today, it is my honor. We, we have a guest with us today, Thad Hill. Thad is the executive director of the Timothy Hill Ranch. You guys may um, have heard about that coming into our community. And he texted me or called me, I can't remember now. It's been uh, four or five weeks ago, and he was saying, hey, what time is your services? Uh, I'm going to come see my kid there, there at Harding. And I said, man, I'm, I'm coming off a five-week series. It'd be awesome if you'd speak while you're here. And so I'm going to put him to work this morning, but a great guy. We have uh, really enjoyed getting to know him and the heart behind this ministry. He's going to share a little bit about that this morning, I'm sure. Uh, But listen, y'all, he comes from New York, so you're just going to have to have a little patience with his accent, his demeanor. He's a little angry, Um, but uh, he's coming. Will y'all put your hands together for my friend Thad Hill today? You know, if you live in New York, you realize there's a lot to be angry about. There's a lot of, a lot of messed up people there. But I do appreciate uh, being here with the New Life family. New Life was uh, one of the first, uh, as we were coming into the community two years ago, that uh, extended right away. Chad and I had lunch with uh, uh, Kevin and uh, right away said, what can we do? And uh, so when we were getting this property out at Center Hill, uh, started you know helping with the furnishing of... Uh, the, the, the towels and sheets and plates and cups and silverware and all kinds of things to make sure that you know we had all the little finishing touches so we really appreciate the hospitality uh, I'm gonna have to spend a little bit of time on my name because my name is actually the Greek pronunciation is Thaddeus so I've always been called Thud from sixth grade from Thaddeus which got shortened when I was in sixth grade Circe is the only place that still calls me Thad so there's about a thousand or so people down here that still say Thad uh, everywhere else I'm Thud but uh, you can just wrestle with whatever you want to call me. Uh, and greetings from New York. Anytime people say New York when I come, I feel like the, anybody remember the old Pace Picani uh, salsa commercials? And like, New York City. And that was like my experience when I came to Harding back in the 90s. People were like, New York. Hey, say something. Say dollar. Say water. You know, whatever it was. You know, when I talk fast, I start talking more like a New Yorker. But uh, I was like a novelty act. And now that my daughter is here uh, in her freshman year, she's like, yeah, people want to like, ask me to say stuff once in a while. So I was like, yeah, I had that same experience. Um, but just to give you a couple fun facts, because most people know very little other than they hear New York and they think New York City. So I like as a proud 
uh, Long Island boy. Um, there's a lot more country on Long Island than in New York than most people realize. The oldest horse and cattle ranch in America is in Montauk, New York, on the east of Long Island. Deep Hollow Ranch, started in 1658, still in operation. So you guys can have that for your fun fact. Uh, the Montauk Lighthouse was commissioned by George Washington, so kind of a cool fun fact. Uh, your national park system, thank you to Teddy Roosevelt, Long Island boy. So uh, there's a few cool things that have come out of Long Island. First transcontinental Atlantic flight uh, off of Long Island. So there's a few cool things. Um, but not here to talk about that. My roots here in Searcy actually go back to the 1950s. My father's with me, uh, Jerry Hill. He's uh, 88 young. I call him the legend. And, uh, you know, he, uh, he met here with my mom and got married in the 1950s. So we got a lot of ties to Searcy. Uh, and I'll go into our family story a little bit later on, um, but I do want to just welcome also, I've got uh, uh, some of our boys and our staff here from, from Timothy Hill Ranch, and again, we're out in Center Hill, and we're not going to spend a ton of time talking about that today. We do have uh, four locations and, um, that have just grown over the 45-year period that have kind of grown out of some tragedy, which I'm going to share a little bit more about, but uh, grateful to have my guys and our staff uh, here with us today. Um, Let's see. I'm going to just look at Romans 8.28 uh, as we start. Um, I, want to, I want to use three Ps this morning. I want to use pain, purpose, and power uh, as the three Ps for you to remember. Pain has purpose for his power. And uh, in Romans 8.28 says, As we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. And I want to share three stories. So three Ps, pain, purpose, power. And I want to share three stories um, Reflecting a little bit on the story of Joseph, then my family story, and Timothy, who's, who's kind of the centerpiece of our family story. Uh, and then I want to talk about Peter. Um, we know the story of Joseph, Al. Um, his brothers don't really do, do him right. Uh, there's a lot of pain that is um, experienced, I'm sure, in Joseph's lifetime as he's you know, trying to wrestle with what the purpose is for all that has gone wrong, particularly uh, after he's been sold into slavery and having to be falsely accused and imprisoned, and then ultimately has this moment where he has this encounter with his brothers, uh, and there's this revelation taking place of, of what's happened. And so you can see just this flood of, of a lifetime of pain that even the brothers that are just living with this pain are kind of experiencing in this moment. And Joseph is, is overcome. And so I just want to read um, out of um, Genesis chapter 45, verses 1 through 7, if you're looking uh, in, your, in your Bible. It says, Then Joseph could no longer control himself before all of his attendants, and he cried out, Have everyone leave my presence. So there was no one with Joseph when he made himself known to his brothers. And he wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard him. And Pharaoh's household heard about it. Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still living? But his brothers were not able to answer him because they were terrified at his presence. Then Joseph said to his brothers, come close to me. When they had done so, he said, I am your brother Joseph, the one you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed. Do not be angry with yourselves 
for selling me here because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. For two years now, there has been famine in the land, and for the next five years, there will be no plowing and reaping. But God sent me ahead of you to preserve you for a remnant on earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. The question that I want to ask you today is, can you love like you've never been hurt? That's a challenge in our human nature to not want to run away and to not want to go into some cave when you've been hurt. Really hard to to see God moving sometimes or seeing the purpose when you're in the midst of pain. And in a room of this size, there's a whole lot of people in this room that have got some pain in some form or fashion in your life right now. Can you see the purpose in that pain? Uh, I know for myself, sometimes you have to, you have to work not to be resentful. You have to, you have to make a decision not to allow that resentment to build up when there's something that's painful happening in your life. Uh, very easy to be alone in, in your room or at your fire pit or someplace where you're just kind of stewing over the stuff that's happening. Um, one of the things that amazes me about the story of Joseph is there's no indication of complaining. Starting from chapter 37, it's taking almost a third of, the, of this entire first book of the Bible of the story of this man's life. You don't, you don't see any complaining. I do see a little human, I see a, a, several different moments of human nature where uh, I don't know that God told him to share the dream with the brothers who didn't really particularly like him. Um, you know, maybe that was a little bit of his pride jumping in front of God's plan. But, but you see him just excelling wherever he lands. And I think there was a spirit of thankfulness about Joseph. There was something about Joseph that I feel like was just... Um, knew that God had a plan and, and being able to even articulate this after seeing somebody who sold you into slavery years earlier and to be able to have that kind of perspective to tell somebody who you know intentionally hurts you to say, don't be angry. Don't beat yourself up. Because there was purpose for the pain. And it was for a great deliverance. It was for God's power to be demonstrated. Going back to the 1950s, um, my dad's a West Tennessee boy, grew up on a tobacco farm on the west side of Tennessee. My mom grew up outside of Idabel, Oklahoma, in a town called Hayworth. And uh, they met Freed Hardeman, which was a two-year school, and then came to Harding got married, and uh, dad, as a minister, decided to uh, go work with a church in Columbia, Tennessee, then Mobile, Alabama, and then back to Columbia, Tennessee. And in the 1960s, there were a lot of people moving to the northeast and to, uh, to the northwest of this country, trying to do some mission work and establish churches and uh, deal with some of the angry people in the northeast. <laughs> and uh, 
And so mom and dad kind of picked up and moved with a couple other vocational missionaries to work with a church and thought that they would be there for a couple of years and then come back to the south. Uh, the church that he left in, in uh, Columbia, Tennessee, was probably about a thousand member congregation, thriving congregation. But uh, they moved to a place on the east end of Long Island to a little church outside of an Air Force base on Long Island with probably 50, 60 members. And um, they always had a, a following. I don't know if you see some people who are talking about this lady was preaching, talking about the uh, people who have a, uh, an opportunity to work with the children. And some people just have that knack. Well, Jerry and Fern always had this knack. You know, they're kind of like the Pied Pipers. They would just, kids would just follow them. But they had even more so, not just the ability to teach and to love young people, but they, uh, they would open up their home and had this opportunity to be able to take young people. They were never certified as foster parents, but they've probably fostered 90 plus kids in their lifetime. Um, some for a couple months, a couple weeks, a couple years, whatever it would be. That was just the norm growing up. Well, my oldest brother, who was born in Columbia, Tennessee, enjoyed being on a farm setting. He enjoyed horses. He enjoyed camping and outdoor life. And so when he came to New York, which again, it's still on the eastern Long Island, still pretty agricultural centric location. Um, he enjoyed, again, still doing some of those things. And he saw these kids coming in our home. And uh, by the age of 12 years old, he had bought and paid for his own horse, an Appaloosa named Apple. And um, he started articulating to my parents that when he got older, he wanted to have a ranch, a horse ranch for these types of young men that he saw coming or the young people he saw coming in our home. And he said, when I get up, he said, I'm going to start saving money. This is what I'm going to do. And he was actively saving money. He was calling real estate brokers at the age of 13 and sharing his thoughts and ideas about what he wanted to do to start this ranch. May 11th, 1972. He had, four paper, he had three paper routes and he worked on a farm. He had four jobs. So he's a bit of an entrepreneur, a bit of a hustler. And uh, one of his papers wasn't running that particular morning. So he actually, there were 106 houses in our neighborhood growing up. And he actually drove to each one of those houses before school to let them know the paper wasn't running. So he missed the school bus. Uh, I was three months old at the time. I have two older brothers, one younger. So I didn't really know Timothy. Um, my mom was taking me to a doctor's appointment, and so he said, you know, he said, don't worry about it. I'll ride my bike to school. I have some errands to run after school. And five minutes later, he's hit by a truck and was killed in a bicycle accident. How do you as a parent find purpose. With that depth of pain. Sometimes you hear a story like that and you start taking inventory of the pain you think you have and realize when you hear stories like that that maybe maybe my pain isn't quite as severe the things that I've been hanging on to. I think there's three 
more than three, I'm sure, but I'm, I'm going to offer three thoughts in terms of how do you navigate that type of pain that Joseph experienced, that Jerry and Fern experienced. I didn't have to live through that. I'm, I've still asked myself growing up and living through the after effects of this thing, how would, it, how would I process that? with one of my three. I think when Paul talks about in Romans 4, uh, Philippians 4, and he talks about rejoicing always and not being anxious and offering prayer with thanksgiving and, and, and being able to have peace that passes understanding. Uh, to me, the... The centerpiece of what was drilled into me in my mind from my mother, particularly, was this idea that you can still, when you can decide to give thanks in the midst of harsh circumstances, that God has the ability to elevate you beyond those circumstances. And he has the ability to do something supernatural when you can have a spirit of thanksgiving in the midst of painful situations. That you have faith that God is still going to move even when you can't see it. And that you're still able to love like you've not been hurt. So having a spirit of thankfulness, having faith in God, and having the ability, it's making the choice to still love others in the midst of pain is exactly what the story of Jerry and Fern Hill have been is their lives were wrecked to a degree, but yet they knew God was bigger than the pain. And, you, and they knew that the story was not over. The third character I look at is Peter who's walking side by side with Jesus for three years, who's uh, probably very much like a New Yorker, seemed like a big mouth, uh, one that had a lot to say. He had uh, the foot and mouth syndrome on a regular basis, it seemed like, and uh, liked to brag about what he was going to do or what he wasn't going to do. And we know how Jesus called that out and told him that he was going to be part of a denial and that... Uh, And that it plays out exactly the way Jesus said it was going to. And represents every single one of us in some form or fashion in terms of how we've denied Christ. But this scene in the New Testament, which is definitely my, one of my favorite scenes, is in John 20 where Jesus is meeting up with Peter for the first time after. A best friend who's been walking with you every day for three years. And who a few days before said, I don't blankly blank know that guy.
And Jesus shows up cooking breakfast. He's got fish already on the coals. And he begins this process of restoring Peter and going through the exchange of, do you love me? I like you. And But in Jesus' moment of being able to love Peter as if he had not been hurt, Peter, shortly after, is able to stand before the same people he was denying Christ in front of and is saying, and they're saying, if you don't stop talking about this, I'm going to kill you. And he's like, I can't help but to speak about the things that I've seen and heard. So the love that Jesus demonstrates to him through a painful situation propels this man who is in a cowardly state into a state of power where the Holy Spirit is talking and working through him in a way that he couldn't. And maybe without having that pain, he wouldn't have been able to experience it the same way. That that pain had purpose, even in Peter's life. And so ultimately, my encouragement to you this morning is that when I look at the story of Joseph, I look at the story of Timothy and Jerry and Fern, and I look at the story of Peter, that God is not going to waste the pain that is in your life, that is in my life. Uh, it's, it's, it's messy. It's, it's hard to, to navigate sometimes when you're in the moment and you're right here looking at it. But having faith that God is still bigger than the pain, having a spirit of thankfulness and being able to articulate that, I think that that's, that is, that's an important piece of the equation, being able to say that I, I, I'm going to give you thanks, not because I want to, not because I feel like it, but because you asked me to do that, and I'm going to trust that you're going to be able to do something bigger. It says, and then the peace that passes all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Thankfulness is a piece of that equation, being able to articulate that. And I think God wants to heal us and he wants to use our wounds as part of this, as, as part of in, in our story, as part of what's going to demonstrate the power. Every story in the Bible is a setup to make God to be the hero. And that's what he wants to do is he wants to be able to have his power revealed. And he uses the messy stuff of this world as part of the equation. And when I look at Timothy Hill Rance, it's 45 years later that we've just recognized 50 years of Timothy's death this past May 11th. And to be able to look back 50 years, and we have, that, we have that ability when we look at stories in the Bible. We can see the beginning and the end of Joseph's story. So we're like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, oh, But it's messy and dirty and hurtful in the midst of going through it. It wasn't just this straight line. It wasn't roses and rainbows. And it hasn't been that for Timothy Hill. And we're still in process and a bunch of people that are messy and still trying to figure out while we're working with some guys that need to be fathered that need community, that need to be loved on. And we've got the, the opportunity and the blessing to get to do that in a unique way in a few different locations. But, uh, but this has all been a setup because this is, this is you know, God is a God of, of second chances. He's a God of resurrection. He's a God of reconciliation. He's a God that takes things that look dead and he brings forth life. Pain has purpose for his power. So I'm going to conclude by sharing a video here in a minute. 
mom died a year and a half ago. I've been a role. I came back from Harding in 1995 and started working with the ranch. And I feel like I just took a baton and I've been kind of running with this baton, partly to honor my parents, partly because I believe this is what God, this is what God's called me to do, but I definitely felt part of the motivation for me was I felt that they should be honored with their life's work to have somebody continue to carry it on. And um, my mother, was a giant who served tens of thousands, tens and tens of thousands, with a very similar spirit as a Mother Teresa. Couldn't get her out of the kitchen. She could she'd cook a great meal. She'd cook a simple meal for a multimillionaire and she would cook a seven-course meal for somebody homeless the next day. Um, she's just a giant of woman. And I wanted to introduce you to her. And we filmed this a month before she died. And she talks a little bit about her pain and the purpose. And I hope it encourages you. You tell me I'm getting old, I'll tell you that's not so. The house I live in is worn out. And that, of course, I know. It's been in use a long, long while. It's weathered many a gale. I'm really not surprised you think it's getting somewhat frail. The colors changed on the roof. The windows are getting dim. The wall is a bit transparent and looking really thin. The foundation's not so steady as once it used to be. But my house isn't shaky. My house isn't me. My few short years can't make me old. I'm in my youth. Eternity lies just ahead, a life of joy and truth. I'm going to live forever there. Life will go on. It's grand. You tell me I'm getting old? You just don't understand. The dweller in my little house is young and bright and gay, just starting on a life to last throughout eternal day. You see only the outside, which is all most folks do see. You tell me I'm getting old? You've mixed my house with me. When Timothy died, this poem came in from Helen Steiner Rife said, for all who believe in the risen Lord have been assured of this reward and death for them is just graduation to a higher realm of revelation. I think God gave us the strength to build on Timothy's dream of building a ranch for homeless children and to see so many lives transformed. I 
I'm going home to be with the Lord. Uh, I don't know whether that will just be immediately or whether it will be a while. As I was a child, we sang lots of songs about heaven. And so many of those have come back to me and the songs have been in my head and in my heart. And there are songs that I hadn't sung in years. And uh, they've been very helpful to me. I thought of death a lot, but I wasn't afraid of death. I'm so thankful that Jesus died and forgave us for our sins and that we're pure. And because of him, he makes us perfect in him, even though in the human flesh we're not perfect. I think probably my greatest regrets is as a young mother, I spent, we were in, we were in new territory where the church was new and there were so many needs. We didn't have elders or deacons or anything. And the whole load was basically upon us. And, and I took that very seriously, but so seriously that sometimes I didn't have enough time to spend with my children alone. When we slip and do something we shouldn't do, he, if we're penitent out, but he f immediately forgives us and um, feel very badly when that has to happen. And I think God has answered prayers and I've just asked that during this time he used my death and my passing to his glory. I don't know how he will do that, but I've seen him do it before us with others, so I, I know he will. I've been going through this for several years, um, and lately I am just declining day by day, and I feel that it's painful. But I think of the identity with Jesus, that he went through so much pain and um, he never leaves us nor forsakes us and we're never alone. So I know the time is near, um, but I'm so grateful. There have been people that have sent meals and cards. I have so many cards that people have sent and notes and telephone calls and it's been beautiful to have such support. We're all here for a short time and Jesus tells us that we weren't made to be here forever. We're just, we have bodies to live in, earth bodies, and he tells us when we leave this world we're going to have new bodies and there's not going to be the pain and suffering that goes on here, so why wouldn't we look forward to it?